Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. So we'll get to that um, celebration a little bit later. In the meantime, um, let me uh, take you through a message about the art of relationships. I want to look at three or four things. I want to look at kindness. I want to look at um, forbearance. I want to look at gentleness and patience. And then I want to look at some of the ways that we, that some of the ways that you are better and able to communicate to people, especially under um, pressure and tense moments. And then at the very end, I want to conclude it all by saying you'll only get back what you put in. Um, I think in the first service, um, this was actually, I realized later it was off another message. The first service, I mentioned this, that um, the, the most precious thing to all of us, aside from our salvation and Jesus, is the relationships that we have, that we nurture, that we grow, and sometimes that we lose. Relationships matter. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly not the first to say this, and it's kind of cute, but nobody on their deathbed says, I wished I'd spent more time at the office and less with my family and friends. Everybody says, well, whoever says it, might not be everybody, but if they say it, they'll say something about their, their family. Normally the last, the last words of a person who is conscious as they die um, and people can hear them, so they have a privilege of hearing them in the last moments, they will normally always say, I love you. They will nearly always say something to somebody close to them. In some cases, um, very poignantly and very sadly, young men dying with horrific war wounds are often recorded as calling out for their mother. Like that just is, it's both a tragedy and it shows you the depth of those foundational relationships. It's, be it's beautiful and heartbreaking. And so relationships matter. To anybody who says relationships don't matter, they, they, they are broken or they are broken. Or alternatively, they are very broken. Because relationships matter to us. Um, I've, I've heard this said that, I think uh, Eugene Peterson says something like, I, I'm going to get this wrong, but he's dead so he can't sue me. So he said something like, um, uh, something along the lines of, you're not yourself by yourself. You are not, in other words, you're not all of who you are meant to be by yourself. Um, who you are meant to be, who you can be, is locked up in the relationships around you. So we need to look after them. They are precious. They're all you've got. You know, we may treat relationships cheaply, but we'll end up with a cheap life. That was a little clever statement, wasn't it? I just made that up. But, um, but it's true, isn't it? So it's interesting too that when in the scriptures it talks about um, walking in the spirit, and I won't mention in Galatians and Romans, when the scriptures talk about walking in the spirit or keeping in step with the spirit or being led by the spirit, because of our Pentecostal background, we immediately go to tongues, prophecy, um, being guided supernaturally, uh, miracles. These are all beautiful things. I'm not, I'm not denigrating um, uh, or belittling any of these things. What I am saying, though, that's not 
the, the proponent of Scripture doesn't bend that way. It bends toward living in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, is number one, not living in the flesh with its dictates and passions, and number two, living a Christ-like life in morality, in ethics, and thankfulness. That, that thankfulness is not a tag at the end. It's an important part of it. So when I say, um, if I say, Ferry, I, I, I don't ask these questions because it's weird. Ferry, are you living in the Spirit? Um, and, he, and he may say to me, I had four prophecies and seven visions yesterday. And I'll say, well, that's all very well, but how are you living Christ-like today? How have you treated your wife this morning? How have you, did you kiss your, your, your is it child, girl or boy? Did you kiss your little girl? Did you hold her and say, I love you more than, I love you to the moon and back? You can't do it to the sun and back because you'll never get back. <laughs> but to the moon and back works because you could do that in a lifetime. But you couldn't do it on a bicycle. Um, so, so these matter. And how we, how we see the scriptures bearing on these issues, we often have a perspective that's not quite right. It's not wrong. It just doesn't fully express scripture. We're meant to live morally, ethically, and thankfully. Do you know, I mean, this is just, this is, all, this is an oversimplification, but it helps. Paul's letters were written in simple terms, in a sense of how you summarize them. They're hardly simple documents. But when he writes, he tends to write like this, especially in the four great epistles of Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, and Philippians. That wasn't the right order for those of you who care. But I just did that to mess with you. And so, um, so each of these great... They, this is what they tend to do. This is what Jesus has done. This is how Christ is now Lord of the universe. This is how he's dealt with sin, principalities and powers. This is how he now rules and reigns over the affairs of mankind. That's how it starts. But it doesn't finish there. It always does this. And this should affect how you live today. What he did, what your response is. When people say the grace of God is all what he did, they've forgotten the very nature of the word gift. Gift requires reciprocation and response. It's what Jesus did and what is required of you by, by response to what he did. So for, that affects our relationships. Um, what, who he was gives me a pattern of how I can be. And not just in suffering or in the big issues of sacrifice, but in relating, in talking, in communicating. I can guarantee this, my friends. Of all people on the earth, I can guarantee this, that Jesus was the nicest to be around. And the most challenging, certainly. The most mystifying, certainly. But also the most wonderful. I can't imagine those, those disciples said at the end of those three years, well, we liked what he said, but he was an awkward man, wasn't he? Or he, he was a bit bizarre, wasn't he? Or um, I think he got a bit messed up in the end, but he's got a good heart. Uh, none of that. They would have been absolutely, absolutely transformed by just the daily routines, the words, the challenges, the kindness, the gentleness, the patience of Jesus. Patience. So what is it? Well, I don't really know. We haven't got not long enough to express um, Patience is basically, it's a word that includes time. Patience is forbearing. Scripture says to forbear with one another, forgiving one another in the Lord's stead, because he has forgiven you. Patience is just that ability to give people room to fail again. 
Does that make sense? To give people room to fail again. Why? Well, somebody's given you room to fail again. Somebody's given me room to fail again. And it's not like we're... I'm not proposing a life of failure. Far from it. But, but if those things happen, somebody gives us room. It's room to breathe. Patience is room to breathe. And nothing in our modern world speaks of patience. I've heard, I've heard you can get a watch that actually gets your emails and text messages. I've heard that. I have. And I'm a modern kind of bloke. I've heard it. Is that right, Ben? Am I on the right track? It's true. Now, I have a watch, but my watch is amazing because it tells the time. <laughs> but, but it's like demand, demand. I'm not going to get an Apple I watch. It's not because I can't afford one. It's, not, it's just I don't want to be constantly reminded of my, my heartbeat, my this and that, because then that will give me stress and it will raise my heartbeat. I can never figure out people who always want to monitor their blood pressure all day long. That's going to raise your blood pressure. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying. Microwaves. Everything's fast. We're, we're impatient in traffic. It's always, it's not quick enough. You, you can't stand lines. I'm learning to just stand in a line. As long as it's three people. <laughs> That's my, there is, a, there is a, an end to my patience. Patience. Um, the next one's kindness. It's wonderful. These are absolutely essential for reasonable relationships. Patience. Kindness. I mean, I don't know how you describe it. The word's beautiful. It's, um, in English, there's a term called onomatopoeia, and it means the word sounds like what it's describing. Like, crash! is onomatopoeia, because it sounds like what it's describing. Well, I think kindness does for some reason. I know technically I get knocked out of the books on this one, but, but kindness is just... It's a gracious attitude. It's kindness to a person. So, so um, this morning um, in our hotel room uh, over, over the last week, they've missed, they missed three reasonably important things, like toilet paper. They didn't put toilet paper in overnight. And, um, and then they didn't, they didn't wash the cups and the glasses. I know this sounds all very... Uh, and then they didn't do something else. And it's like, so I spoke to the girl this morning and said, I'm, I'm, we love staying in this hotel. It's a wonderful hotel. We're very blessed to be here. Um, can I just draw your attention to a couple of things? Is that, is, do that you do those things deliberately? I wasn't meaning the toilet paper. Do you do those things deliberately? Do you just leave the glasses so that we won't? I mean, I just, just tell me. I was kind to her. Most people would say, say, you've failed on three areas. I want a discount. That's, my, that's how I go in my brain. But Valerie and I chatted about it. And the people looking after our room, they looked like they just needed a chance. So I didn't blow anybody up. I didn't yell and scream. I, I drew to their attention something that will cause a bad name for their hotel if not dealt with. But you can do it kindly. You don't have to yell and scream. I can't stand it when people are screaming at airport counters. Those staff members cannot change anything. They cannot change it. Go and find the manager and have a fight with them, but not the person behind the desk. Unfair, unkind, unchristian. He said, as he goes to the airport, gets held up in a line and finds an incompetent helper. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Kindness. Yeah. Now, what, what's that? Is that it's the, kindness is the milk of... Anyway. It's, it's a glass of milk. <laughs> gentleness is much the same. The only thing I want to add to this, gentleness to me 
is like a tiger or a lion with its claws retracted. The claws are in. It's got the power. It's got the slash ability. It can cause damage, but its power is retracted. It's like a lion, impressive, beautiful creatures. They're my favourite creature. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, but I wouldn't get near them. But, but, and when they are gentle to their own cubs, it's, 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 it's a beautiful picture of gentleness. If Gentleness should never be taken as weakness. Because a strong person who can hold back their power is a strong person. Internally strong. In control of their own emotions. So gentleness to me is, you've got the Aslan paw. You can do a bang and a swipe if you need, but you generally don't. You're, you're withholding you're not, it's, and gentleness is not aggression, it's not rudeness, it's not dismissive annoyance. Gentle is not weak. All right. Give, give, we need to give people room to breathe and make mistakes. Um, all right. So, how to speak. This all sort of ultimately fits together, but if you're looking for a completely stitched up point by point message, you're in trouble already. How to speak. Proverbs 15, verse 1 to 4 says this. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Listen to this. Volume always escalates anger, which invites violence, which leads to regret, broken relationships, and jail sentences. Um, street um, road rage is that. Somebody's uptight. Somebody does something else that causes them to be more uptight. They yell at that person. They get even more uptight. And they have fights. And in the occasional rare instance, they have quite murderous fights. But what's the, the point is this. Volume escalates anger. It, it, uh, it takes you up the escalator. That's what it does. It escalates it. It increases it. So if someone comes at you at that volume, and you go back at that volume, you will soon be at this emotional state. It's a fact. So what you should do is speak softly. It's quite annoying to a person who's yelling at you, but it de-escalates. So this has never happened. Your pastor and I are having an argument, and then, and then he just goes right, because it would never be me. It would only be him doing this. Um, he ramps right up, and my answer is not to go up to the same level. My answer is to say, okay. And sometimes when you ramp up, You've lost, the, you've lost the ability to actually say sorry. I, I had an instance years ago, and it didn't work out that well, but it's quite a good picture, and I look good. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I was driving along the street, and I turned left, and I turned left late, which I indicated, you know, tick, 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 late. And, and I went around the corner, and I was 100 yards from home. And as I was about 30 yards along, I saw this guy behind me on a bike. And I realised he was coming up on the inside of me. He shouldn't have, by the way, but I should have indicated sooner, which gave him, he could have got behind me. I nearly, and he, well, you know when you get on a bike and you do the bad, bad wobbles, you don't fall off? But you get, you get spooked. Anybody ever done that? I've done that. Um, and, and as he came, I drove into my drive and he came screaming along and stood in my drive and yelled at me. He says, you! Oh! So I walked out and I said, I'm so sorry. I, are you okay? 
But he was mad, man. He was a mad racing bike rider. He's angry. And, he, and I said, I'm so sorry, you're okay? Um, he said, yeah, I, yeah, of course I am, of course I am. But, you know, he just went for me and I just de-escalated the whole thing right down and, and to where he, the, the anger pitch came down a little bit. I said, look, I'm sorry, I obviously didn't do, do that you know, on um, purpose. And I'll make sure next time I'm looking a little bit better. You know, you, you can say all that. Saying sorry is not weak. It's actually a sign of great strength. So I said, I'm sorry. But he just kept going. So I said, hey, I've said sorry. You're okay. I'm okay. I can learn from this. But you now are turning rude and obnoxious. And I just walked inside and shut the door. <laughs> <clears throat> and he just sort of and then rode off. But at least it didn't get physical. Because if I'd yelled at him and he'd yelled at me, it would have got physical. Guys are guys. It escalates. My point is this. When, any, when anybody's angry at you, have a glass of water. <laughs> when any, any, anybody's angry at you, don't go to the same level. Drop it. Speaking quietly diffuses relational bombs. It sucks the aggression out of the air and allows for reason, the ability to say sorry, and an extension, if necessary, of forgiveness. Don't yell at a yelling person. Because this is what happens. Volume not only escalates, it also looks for articulation. And what I mean by that is that it looks for, once you get to a certain point, verbal no longer cuts it. It'll go physical. So there's, there's many a beautiful proverb. Finally, in the last four or five minutes, um, and I'm, I've missed, I've missed some scriptures, but there's plenty of beautiful scriptures and proverbs that address the same issue. Finally, you, you get what you give in relationships. Let me read this to you. This scripture is nearly always read out um, in regards giving, and it's valid. But it's bigger than giving. But it, but it actually is giving in all of its spheres. Let me read it to you. Luke 6, 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is a broad way of saying, you'll get, you'll get back what you put in. You set the measure, not God. But this is this interesting. This scripture is often used when we encourage people to give and be generous, and rightly so. However, the context of it includes these three thoughts. It's an observation by a, by a thinking, philosophical creature. Jesus partly was. He observed this fact time and time again in the natural world and the relational world. It's an observation, number one. Number two, it's a promise. You'll get back with even more Amen. Number three, it's a threat. You'll get back even more than what you give. Cuts both ways. If you are gracious, you'll get it back. If you're ungracious, you'll get it back. So you set the standard and the tone of your relational future and of your financial future and probably of your eternal future in some ways. In some ways. I, I say that with some hesitation 
um, so that we don't get nervous about losing our salvation every five minutes. But we will invariably reap what we sow. The measure we use in relationships, at work, in our giving, and the way we talk will determine what's coming back. You set the standard. If we gossip and slander, which is common in most conversations, we will be gossiped about and slandered. It stuns me um, how when I walk, uh, and I go for a walk most every morning through a park not far from our house in London. And as I go, to the, I, I sometimes, I mean there's runners and people taking dogs for walks early in the morning, but occasionally you hear people talking and they're always talking about somebody else. I could almost say 100%. I, I can't because that would be not correct. But invariably they are talking about somebody else and it always comes out like that other person's a problem. That's common to people's relational skills. If you go into an office or any of these places, not a lot of people are gracious and kind for bearing and forgiving. They are scrambling. They are, they've got words to say. We should not be like that. Um, if we judge people, we will be judged by people. If we condemn people, how easy is that? We will be condemned by people. So my answer is beware of your own humanity your own failings and sins. It also sounds as if Jesus is saying that judgment and condemnation may go somewhat further than just what man can do to us. That's where it's a warning. My, my final thought in the last minute, healthy relationships are ours to foster. They're not God's or the state's. One of the things that, that frightens me the most is current um, legislation in, our, in the Western world where we're being forced about how we're to think, how we're to speak, and how we're to act. It terrifies me. We will rob people of the ability of making wise, mature, godly choices. They'll become, all our actions will be under the fear of punishment. That's like, if any of you have read 1984 by George Orwell, it's a famous British um, school text, it's worth reading. Um, you can read it in Dutch, it'll be even better. Healthy relationships are ours to foster, they're not God's or the state's business. So my friends, be kind. Be gentle. Be patient. De-escalate conversations when Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked Him into your life before. Or maybe... For some reason, you've been, you've been moving away from Him. And today, I want to invite you to come back to Him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then, straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.com.
www.dotnl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.